The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Take Cast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter, at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I am joined by my buddy, Vlad Sedler, from Guru Elite. Uh, You guys definitely know him if you mix around in the high-stakes fantasy baseball scene. Have also had him on the show to talk about uh, football gambling over on the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. But uh, as you guys know... I love to gamble, and I love to gamble on pretty much everything, and high-stakes season-long fantasy baseball is no different. I, I and uh, So me, Sammy, and Nate, we've decided that uh, we want to play in the NFBC, which is you know the biggest, most high-stakes fantasy baseball league there is, and uh, Vlad is really good at that format. He is a, a longtime veteran of the high-stakes seasonal fantasy baseball world, so I wanted to talk to Vlad, you know, a little bit about playing high stakes fantasy baseball, a little bit about the 2020 season, how he found fantasy baseball, and uh, you know, more. I think I think is a really interesting episode, and I think if you guys are getting ready to, uh, you know, play some uh, fantasy baseball, you definitely are going to want to listen to Vlad. He really does know the deal. Of course, we are sponsored by DailyRoto.com. You can get 10% off of your Daily Roto subscription using the promo code Janus. You can get bonus episodes of this. Show show by subscribing to patreon.com slash takecast five bucks a month will get you those bonus episodes and you can also just go ahead and leave a rating and review on itunes that's very useful very helpful and now let's go ahead and get into the show all right, everyone, bringing in my buddy, uh, Vlad Settler. You might know him from Twitter as RotoGut and uh, wanted to bring Vlad in because it is fantasy baseball season and uh you know a a lot of people on twitter vlad talk about fantasy baseball but uh you know i i I just kind of judge people based on their results and how thoughtful they are talking about things and uh you know i just i just kind of find myself agreeing with a lot of what you have to say so first of all thank you for joining the show and uh yeah how you doing man Dude, I'm fantastic. This is pretty much the the best time of the year. Um, you know, the, the season is amazing, obviously, you know, the games and everything. Um, and but it's a grind, you know, it's it's six months of uh right of an absolute grind. But this draft season, like doing all the prep, putting together your projections, like getting ready for spring training, um, and just talking about where we think we like players and and, and tiers and, and position tiers and things like that, is it's just absolutely the best time of year. Right. Uh, so, you know, I think, I think the most natural place to start is, you know, how did you get into fantasy baseball as a kid? You know, what is the, what is the, the roto gut story as far as fantasy baseball goes? Uh, well, how, how long is this podcast? I think is the question. I mean, hey, we got, we got plenty <laughs> of time, man. We got plenty of time. Um, you know what? I, just as a kid, I was just always super obsessed with, uh, I, I think the story similar with a lot of people probably listening or really into fantasy baseball, just, obsessed with baseball cards and memorizing stats on the backs of them. Um, you know, just putting together my own favorites list, like when I was a kid and like, you know, ranking the, you know, the, the power hitters and the pitchers. Um, and then the, the interesting thing that I think is kind of unique to me is, um, you know, I mean, I came here when I was two months old. So, I mean, I am American as American as can be outside right. of not being able, not being born here and not being able to, to obviously run for president, but like, you know, Russians, they don't understand baseball. They don't like, like baseball probably because they don't understand it. And so 
you know, it wasn't a situation where I'd be like playing cash with my dad. Like he, you know, would watch his hockey and soccer and drink his vodka or whatever. And right. um, luckily there was this guy is like, you know, in the old school dude from, from the dental community who um, I guess has like a great story. He, um, you know, he, at the time when I was a kid, he was in his seventies uh, already, but he played baseball back in the days, like in the, I guess the thirties or forties, whenever it was, um, and played one year with Jackie Robinson. So this guy's just been around the block for a long time. And, you know, he would come over, um, and, and play catch with me outside. He took me to my first Dodger game. Um, and I think this is like in 87. So I was obsessed with, uh, with baseball as a kid, um, kind of parlayed that, um, you know, played some Yahoo leagues and things like that, um, in high school. And then, um, like my first, First year at a college, uh, my buddy convinced me to play this game called CDM. Uh, and CDM is basically, it's kind of like where DFS is based out of. It's where it started because it's a, it's a salary cap fantasy game. They have them for baseball, for football. And they used to run with USA Today ads. And so there'd be like 20,000 people in this contest. Uh, and so like my first year playing with my buddy Steve, who introduced me to this game, I was like a poor college student. We came in fourth overall. I remember it was like, you know, picking up Johan Santana there at the end, like really helped us out. And, um, you know, we won, you know, like a small five-figure prize. And when you're like, you know, 22, that's just amazing money. So, right. um, you know, that kind of kicked things off um, from there into NFBC pretty heavily. And I guess that's it. That's pretty much the story. Pretty, I mean pretty cool story right anytime anytime your uh, your story about how you found fantasy sports is able to include jackie robinson that's pretty that's pretty cool right so that is that is uh definitely definitely a, a good story so a, a big reason why i wanted to have you on is that me sammy and nate the uh, the gilcast crew we are gonna draft uh, an nfbc main event this year and uh, so I, I, you know, I want to start thinking about the main event. I want to start thinking about the NFBC. Uh, for those who don't know, that is the National Fantasy Baseball Championship. Uh, I think it's hosted on like the the Sports Hub network of websites. So why the NFBC? You know, why do you think people should play? And, and what do you think your edge is in those contests? Yeah, I mean, you know, there are a lot of different sites. Um, you just see a lot of my tweets are sort of NFBC centric. Um, and it's it's just because that's where I've played for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of it has to do with pretty much the level of competition. Um, they were kind of the first folks out there to have a national contest. Um, you know, basically they have this, the main event that, that you guys, uh, uh, the Gilcast guys are going to be in. Um, it's uh Online drafts, in, online drafts and then live drafts in Las Vegas, Chicago, and New York, um, where there's a big, you know, six-figure uh, overall prize. So in addition to winning league money, you can, you know, compete against a bunch of other leagues for basically the top prize. They have the same thing uh, as an online championship at a smaller price point at like 350. Um, but what I love about it is it pretty much draws the best of the best. Um, so a lot of the people in our community are, you know, just really into it. It's not for everyone that everyone loves it. Um, the cool thing is there are different price points. I mean, you could start out for like, you know, for a $50, 12 team league, um, you know, they have slow drafts, people that don't want to draft like, you know, the, the, the quick time ones, uh, people that don't want to do in season management. Uh, they've got best balls and drafted holds. Yeah. This is really why I wanted to do it with Sammy was that I think I'm going to be really jazzed up about in season management for three months. And <sighs> then I, and then after that, I like, I, I'm thinking about doing fantasy baseball waivers in August. And like, I already know I'm going to be dreading that a little bit. Yeah. That's kind of the cool thing about it. It, it works out. I've got, um, you know, partner situation, uh, this season. And I've had, you know, basically the last few years, I'm going to do the platinum draft with Rob Silver for the third year. Uh, I've done some drafts with Matt Modica, um, and we've done well together, but it's good. I mean, it's good to have the balance and, you know, some people like drafting more, some people like the, the in-season management more. So it really just depends, but it's a grind actually, um, your boy and, and, I, and my boy, Leone, um, he, uh, a lot of people may not know this is actually one of the best season long fantasy baseball players like that I've ever known. When yeah. I was and he, I, I wanted to do this with him. My original idea was I wanted to do this with he and drew. And then when I brought it up to them, they were both like, eh, like, you know, we don't know if we want to play that much this year, which was a little disappointing. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously they've got their you know big DFS uh, business and, and things to, to do. But like when I first was was coming up, I mean, I was always battling Leone in uh, in the CDM leagues and NFBC. Um, so yeah, when he stepped out a little bit, I'm like, all right, good. That's a little bit less competition I have to deal with. Right. Um, so, you know, I guess, I guess probably a lot of people listening to this, they, they probably are not going to want to do the, the main event. So, you know, do you think that the online championship, do you think the draft and old, like kind of, kind of how, where would you direct people who wanted to play season long fantasy baseball for, for like, you know, a meaningful amount of money enough to keep them interested, you know, paying attention. Uh, it, it sucks that the, um, that the draft app is gone. Uh, but, but I, I guess the, the draft and holds are, are kind of similar to that format, right? Yeah. It just depends on the price point. Um, actually, um, you know, on the site that where all my stuff is at at fantasy guru, uh, I've got a pretty cool article talking about the differences, uh, you know, the different types of games and kind of figuring out what works for, for people. Um, you know, of course, the, that starting price point are the, those $50 leagues, uh, they're, they're 12 team leagues, but um, really depending on how much you want to play, like, for example, if you have a, you know, like say a $500 budget, um, you know, I do think the, the online championships are really cool um, just because they, they have that overall component. So it's not just, you know, spend 350 and win 1500 for your league, but you can compete for the $125,000 prize. And and, and the thing is, this is not impossible. You know, people can get there. You really just, you know, you, you, you kind of, you know, you, you're looking to draft some upside guys here and there and kind of work your way through. Um, but it's absolutely possible. Um, and then there's satellite leagues, of course. That's kind of a good place to start. Different price points for those, like 125 bucks for just a basic 15-team league. There's no overall prize there. Um, these are the type of leagues where you can – um, you could punt a category a little bit more. You may not want to like flat out like, okay, I'm not cheating, not touching stolen bases at all, right? Or, you know, or strikeouts, but you can get a little bit, you know, strategic in those type of things. In overall contests, you can't do that. You got to have balance across the board. You got to, you know, be able to. You know, if you aren't picking up, if you don't draft closers, for example, um, if you're not targeting those and at least getting a certain amount of saves, ending up in like at least seventy percentile in saves in the overall you're not really going to be able to, to compete for that top spot. The league, that's a different story, but overall, and, and to me, that's where the glory is. Like, that's what I want to do. I want to be the best player in the world. I want to beat everybody. I want to be first overall. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is certainly why, I, I mean, I think that's why anyone would be drafting in these. Like you're, you're, you're not drafting for, if you, if you were just like, all you wanted to do was grind ROI, there are certainly probably a little bit better of formats for you to do that. in. so, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's definitely a, you know, a, a big part about the glory. So uh, I think a, a big question though, is what do you think is a, a bigger skill game season long fantasy baseball or season long fantasy football? <laughs> that's uh that's a pretty loaded question um you know there there are a lot of a lot of differences a lot of similarities uh, i think one of the reasons why uh skill in both is you know there, there, there's skill in both obviously um but the one thing people don't realize like the you know there's usually you hear the take well you know uh, you know anyone could just win a football league in any given year yeah that's kind of true but if you're looking at the people that are consistently winning in the NFFC, in the FFPC, the, uh, you know, the high stakes contests, a lot of times it's the same people. So uh, if there wasn't any skill, you kind of figure that the, the cream wouldn't rise so consistently in the top to the top, you know? Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I guess from an out from, so I've obviously played a lot more season long fantasy football than season long fantasy baseball. I have, you know, I have played season long fantasy baseball before, but not ever in these, you know, big overall formats where there's, you know, life changing money to be won. And I, I think that obviously there's a ton of skill in both. There's probably more, I, I guess I would say there's a lot more variance in season long fantasy football because, uh, I mean, you have less starting players, right? Like there are more overall players contributing to your roster in season long fantasy baseball. There is a, a more delicate balance of, you know, trying to figure out what's more important pitching or hitting uh, that you don't have to deal with that in season long fantasy football. Um, and, and injuries obviously are, are going to be more rampant in season long fantasy football as well. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, they're, they're different in terms of just the sample size of the season, right? You got a, you know, you've got a 16 game sample in football and uh, you can kind of just, 
you draft a few, you know, you had the Lamar Jackson New England Patriots this year, and you know a lot of teams that had those those players or, you know, didn't have to – they had to really screw things up and not in order to not be at least top three in their league. Um, baseball's a little bit more nuanced. It, you know, it requires a lot of investment. It's a 26-week season. You can't really wing it. So that's kind of the reason why I think um, a little bit more skill is required. Um, and the funny thing is – and I may have told you the story, but, like, you know, we've all kind of had that person or that guy that, you know, knew nothing uh, in football or we just, like, randomly invited and actually did pretty well. I remember a few years ago in, um, you know, just at my office, I put together a fantasy football league. Um, our accountant, this random dude who, you know, didn't even speak English all that well um, and, and didn't really watch football, he auto-drafted. So he auto-drafted. He ended up with, I think, it, this was three years ago. This is like, you know, Le'Veon Bell's big season. So he like auto-drafted. First three picks were like Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, and like DeAndre Hopkins, who were all like three of the top five players that year. And he just cruised through, like, you know, crushed me in the finals. I remember at the end, I was like, hey, oh, by the way, you know you can, like, make lineup changes. You can put guys out. He had an injured player, I think, the last three weeks of the season, never even made a lineup move, and he won the league. You know what Still I mean? Still like, won? This type of stuff doesn't happen in, in a baseball. It's impossible. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I think that's, that's very true. Like it's just, it's going to require more micromanagement in season long fantasy baseball, right? Like there are a lot of micro decisions you have to be making every single day. Absolutely. That's the thing. I mean, even if in a weekly league, um, it's, it, it's, uh, there's a lot of balance and a lot of, um, you know, if you're playing the, the traditional roto game, a lot of, a, a lot of category balance, you know, there's different things that you're doing over the course of the season. Uh, in the beginning, you're, you're trying to build as strong uh, of a team that balances um, stability and, and guys that you can rely and count on uh, with upside um, guys that really can kind of shoot for the moon and, and very much out earn the, their dollar from draft day. And then in the season, um, you know, early on, you're trying not to, um, you know, make too many moves. If you're in trade leagues, I, I always feel like people that trade are like trading every day, aren't really understanding what they're doing because you're, you're, you know, you're not really focused. You're just kind of throwing things all over the place. And then as you go into the season, you know, come by or, around the all-star break, you're starting to look at categories like, okay, well, I notice I have a lot of guys that are like near the top of the order. Maybe that's why my RBIs are suffering. Now I need to attack that. Or, um, you know, a lot of my pitchers don't seem to have good control. Uh, I'm getting killed in whip and I have very high strikeouts. So maybe I need to target some two-star pitchers that are going to, you know, maybe they're facing the Orioles or they're, they're in San Francisco to face the Giants in, in a good pitcher's park. And you're able to sort of work on specific categories and attack things that rise you in the standings. So that's actually, that's actually a great transition point to, uh, you know, kind of what I think the meat of the conversation of, you know, winning high stakes fantasy baseball leagues is, which is, you know, from a really high level roster construction is, is almost more important than picking the right players. Like obviously you have to pick players that beat their projections. If you want to win your league, you're, you're not going to win your league by drafting a bunch of guys who hit their 50th percentile projections. But uh, I, you know, I, I think that just overall explaining the concept of roster construction in these formats is, uh, you know, really important. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's important because it's, you know, you can't just get, like the ADP list and or even like some sort of cheat sheet that shows you by position and, you know, say, Hey, go ahead and draft off of it. Like it, it's really, really nuanced. And um, you know, it, it really depends. Like you have to know where the, the specific drop-offs are in the tiers and when you sort of should be drafting, there is no specific or correct answer. Like I should be drafting first baseman here, or I need to get my steals here. Every, there's so many ways to skin the cat. There's so many ways to attack it. Um, but the most important thing is people need to understand their format and also at least have some idea of their competition. So like, for example, the NFBC league, they are traditionally known to uh, draft pitchers, starting pitchers higher than they would in, in industry leagues and, and regular leagues. So, you know, in these types of scenarios, like, you know, you want to be able to leave, uh, you know, at least get, get some good starting pitching early. Um, and so, you know, or, you don't want to chase saves during the season with the free agent budget and, you know, blow 250 of your thousand 
every week, like chasing the next possible closer. So you want to have some stability of saves on your team. So it's almost like, it's almost like painting a, a canvas. So like as you draft, you're assessing and you're, you're sort of changing things along um, your strategy as the draft goes. And so there's no specific answer as to, okay, I need to draft this position here or get these stats there. You literally have to go with the flow of the draft. And if there's, for example, you know, you're picking 14th out of 15 and the middle of the draft is happening and all these closers are going and you don't have a closer, you need to almost anticipate that and figure out like, okay, am I joining the field here and I'm going to grab the kind of the last possible closer or am I zagging here and maybe taking something else, like maybe a hitter that's fallen in value and then maybe double tapping, uh, you know, the next tier of closers on, on the next way out. So there's so many ways to do it. It's, it's insane. So uh, that's actually a, a big question that I have is about the closers. Uh, what I mean, for, for 2020, what is kind of your approach to, I, I think that the number is you, you'd like to leave your draft with three closers, right? Like that's kind of like the, the conventional assumption. But, uh, you know, a lot of the times those guys are really only, those guys are really only contributing in, you know, three categories. So kind of what is the mathematically correct way to approach closers? Yeah, you know what? Um, at least in NFBC, we've always, or at least I've always said, um, you, you want to get about two and a half saves uh, or two and a half closers. So you want to get two solid guys, and then you know maybe somebody that you can use um, in in specific weeks. So you don't want to like necessarily roll three closers out of your nine spots out there at all times. Um, but you know you want to kind of keep that balance. The thing is, this landscape of, uh, of relief pitchers and closers has really changed over the years. Um, saves distribution has really even been spread out amongst teams. So now you have a lot more uh, situational saves, closers by committee. Um, the position has always been sort of inherently volatile. Uh, you know, somebody that just all of a sudden loses it gets replaced real quick and there's someone new. Um, this year, I think a lot of people are really sort of burnt by the fact that the top two closers last year who were taken in basically the top 65 ADP, Edwin Diaz and Blake Trinan, both had horrific years. Um, you know, Diaz pretty much kept the job all year, but, um, you know, basically his ERA got blow up, blown up, as his, did his whip. Um, Trinan lost the job altogether, and now he's on a new team. Like, it, it was just like night and day his season. And so I think people are a little sort of gun-shy with, uh, with closers. So I'm seeing a lot of closers sort of go later, um, but to me, I think closers are very important. And, and like I was saying earlier, like I don't want to be spending a good chunk of my fab budget trying to guess who the next guy is because we'll see it every year. Somebody comes up for like for one save and all of a sudden someone new is in the mix. And so you just spent 200, you know, a fifth of your budget on somebody that just got you one save, got blown up and then is no longer valuable. So to me, I definitely want to prioritize staves. I want to get at least a couple in my first 12 rounds, um, you know, at least in 15 teamers. And I kind of like that mid range. Like I'm good with guys like Ken Giles of, of Toronto, um, Hector Neris of the Phillies, um, you know, uh, uh, maybe even Nick Anderson, if he gets the job for Tampa. So there's, and especially this year, it's going to be a lot of craziness because there's still a lot of um, unknown situations like in Miami, like in Seattle, uh, St. Louis, we don't know who's going to be the closer there. Is it Gallegos? Will it be the veteran Andrew Miller? Um, maybe Carlos Martinez gets that job back. So you have to sort of take your best stabs. Um, you're going to lose saves and closers at some point during the year. So you want to put yourself in the best position as you can to really dominate. I think, I mean, that's, that's obviously, I think uh, putting yourself in the best position to dominate is good advice for anything. I, I So I think, and again, people listening to this, remember like I'm coming at this from my research is like reading fan graphs and, you know, listening to a couple podcasts and just starting to think about things. I've played a ton of season law or a, a ton of DFS baseball, obviously, but right now kind of my thought is the mid tier say the mid tier saves guys seems like the like optimal strategy. Like maybe you get one expensive guy, one mid tier guy. And then, I mean, do you, do you think that it's possible that the like, actually bad closers like the Miami closer or the Baltimore closer do you think and I don't even know I, I think it's Joe Jimenez maybe is the Baltimore closer do you think those guys actually are you know relatively decent gambles 
It's tough. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Jimenez, for example, on on uh, the Tigers, like he actually he had a little bit of a down season, but he's a good sort of end gamer. And and as far as end games concerned, it really depends on your draft. Like in a, a standard home league, you may be able to get him in the twenty second round. In NFBC, he's going to go in like the fifteenth or sixteenth. Um, but you know, it, it's kind of dangerous, and there's going to be, um, I think, a lot of turnover with those those jobs. And even then these teams aren't projected to, to win many games. Granted, when they do, it might be, you know, four to two type of affairs where their closers might come in and, and, and secure saves, but there's still not a lot of upside for saves on those teams. So it's almost better to sort of, you know, work in that, in that middle range. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. And, and, and there's going to be turnover. We don't even know, you know, Arizona, for example, like Archie Bradley, is he going to be the guy who else is going to be there? Some rookie coming up like uh, Kevin Glick. So, um, you know, just really, really crazy. So that's why I don't mind sort of that middle range, like you were saying, and just grabbing a couple guys there and just rolling with them. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, and again, you know, I, I'm not, I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to inject too much of my opinions in this. Cause right now I just, sim. I, 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 I want to learn. And I think that you're a, a good person to have on the podcast to do that. So uh, another thing as it, as it pertains to roster construction is that zero, SP, right? That's that would be the football term, but like just punting starting pitching. So, you know, not taking a stud pitcher in the first four or five, six rounds is from someone on the outside. I've seen that be like a popular thing to get touted, but then, you know, a lot of these guys who play in the NFBC, who play in these high stakes leagues, they're like, it's literally so stupid. So, why don't you explain maybe the genesis of this argument and where you come down on it? I think, um, I think there are some people like in, in, in the industry leagues, like tout wars and labor and, um, and, and things like that. Uh, I've seen people have success for it. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's a standalone league. Um, you know, you, especially for somebody that's really good at, um, at eval- evaluating p- uh, pitchers, you can do that. You can sort of, you know, maybe not grab an ace and then just kind of hit pitching hard. You know, you, you, you know, spend your first four picks on, on hitters, get that base. And then there are guys in that next tier you know, this year that might be the Darvishes or Brandon Woodruffs of the world that you feel comfortable starting as your top guys. And then maybe you hit a couple of those right away to at least give you yourself some base. In, I think in NFBC leagues, people don't do that because you, everybody just kind of wants their aces. They want to have those anchors, those, those stats, because pretty much, you know, you've got 23 starting slots, nine of those are pitchers. That's about 40% of your output. And you really, if you don't have at least an ace or a, or a secondary ace, you absolutely have to nail it from, from that point on. Um, remember two years ago, Blake Snell was an 18th round pick, turned uh, AL Cy Young winner. Um, you know, last year people picked up Mike Soroka from the Braves and Sonny Gray, who was uh, made it to the Reds, had amazing seasons. They, those guys were either drafted late or picked up off free agent, um, free agent bidding. Uh, same with Lucas Giolito. But the thing is, you need to get those, you know, especially in overall contests, you need to get those guys and the rest of your pitching be solid. So, um, you know, like, you know, I mean, you know, obviously um, your, your uh, frenemy uh, draft sheet, his first year playing at NFBC was two years ago. And I, I remember he didn't take a starting pitcher till the 11th round. And I told him, bro, you don't understand. This is not going to work. In NFBC, you just can't do that. Just so happened that year, he got Snell, he got a couple of other, other more guys he stayed competitive, but it was kind of just like that one-off case. For the most part, you don't want to do that because then later on when you're picking up like two-star pitchers to like, you know, booster strikeouts or whatever, you could hurt your, your ratios, that ERA, that whip. You're going to hurt it if you're picking up random guys off waivers who look like they may have a couple of good starts, but they're actually hard garbage and they continue to deteriorate your, your ratios. So I think that's something, having those anchors is, is super important in, in, in fantasy baseball. Yeah. And I, so I guess, you know, a, a lot of the people, uh, I, a lot of the people who are not as in on starting pitching would just say, well, pitchers just get hurt. Right. Like that, that's, that's what it, like the, the reason, the reason to not take Garrett Cole, the reason to not take uh, Clayton Kershaw, whatever. It's just like, Oh, these like pitchers just get hurt. Right. Like that, that's the logic. Yeah, it, it's because exactly. I mean, you're, you just never know. Um, and especially pitchers with, you know, it's very rare you have somebody like Justin Verlander. I mean, yeah, he had a little bit of a dip in his career, 
but this guy is still absolutely dominating uh, at 37 years old. I mean, like the numbers he put, he's putting up is astounding. 290 and 300 strikeouts over his last two seasons, like a whip under 0.9 in each of the last two years. Like this is not the normal case here. And every year you'll have severe fallout and volatility where there will always be a couple of busts and a couple of guys that get injured in that top 10. And, and people are just scared to invest in that. I mean, there's so much. It's, you're literally investing in that person's arm and their shoulder. And it's scary. Yeah. And I, that is uh that, I mean, that's one thing we know about baseball now is just like pitchers get hurt. That is uh that's kind of the, uh, you know, it's just kind of the, uh, the nature of the game. So I do, I do want to move a little bit into some 2020 specifics. Let's uh let's start thinking about some, you know, mid round league winning players from, uh from Mr. Vlad Sedler himself, who are some of your favorite guys? Man, um, dude, there's a million of them. Uh, you know, I, I put a lot. I put a lot out there on the site. It, it's kind of hard, but it's just what I've been doing. Like being able to like having to be fully transparent and everybody kind of knowing my my rankings and the players that I like, and then me drafting against those people and me putting in substantial capital against them. But but screw it, man. Um, you know, come at me. I'm, I'm gonna do my best to try to beat you. Um, you know. I like bounce back guys, people that um, like Gene McCaffrey coined a, a phrase 10 years ago, one of my favorite writers, last year's bums, um, you know, guys that are sort of downplayed or, or, or underpriced in, in ADP because of something like they were injured or, you know, they had a down season or, or something like that. Like Chris Davis to me is the ultimate example. I mean, this is a guy who had been, you know, never hitting for a good average, but one of the best power hitters in baseball. He's consistently getting you 40 homers, um, you know, hitting, hitting for Oakland. Last year in May, he, you know, he, he ran in, basically hurt his hand um, and really never fully recovered from that. And um, it affected his numbers. He had an absolute down year. And I understand he's a DH as well, which, you know, because you don't have that roster flexibility, um, people are less sort of less likely to, uh, to, to draft him. So there's a somewhat of a DH discount. But this guy's going like 170, 180 in the ADP, and it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, this is a guy that, if healthy, should easily bounce back to, what, at least 35 homers, 90 RBIs? And so um, I understand if you've already drafted Nelson Cruz as your DH, you cannot draft Chris Davis, you know what I mean? Or you have Jordan Alvarez, he's a DH only, you can't get Chris Davis. But if you're in that range, you kind of notice your team is sort of, you got a lot of pitching, you got your closers, but you're sort of light on power, you're there in like the, 12th round I think Chris Davis is like a perfect pick yeah I I I also really agree with a couple of the other guys that you have on this list as well uh you know Stanton obviously I think I, I so I think the sort of the thesis here if I'm understanding it correctly is just Guys who were guys who had a material reason for why they they underperformed, or even guys who didn't have a material reason why they underperformed, but just underperformed their projections because there's a lot of variance in baseball, and baseball is really hard. There are a lot of you know like mathematically sound reasons to be in on those guys the year after, basically, yeah, right? Exactly, and, and I mean you know Stanton's a tough case because I think everyone that's played fantasy baseball has been burned by him at some point or another, um, and and you know that's just kind of how it is. Um, but you know I think people forget that prior to last year's super injured year, um, he basically averaged 600 plate appearances in each of the two previous seasons, and he's one of those guys that I mean he hit 59 homers in a year where, um, as far as we know, the ball was not juiced. Right, this is uh, you know three years ago, so. He's still 30 years old. If he's healthy, there's a lot of upside and, you know, and, and there's a lot of value baked into the fact that he's missed most of the year and people don't want to take that chance. Um, someone, two other guys that I just can't quit and they could be the death of me, but like Carlos Correa of the Astros, David Dahl of Colorado. Correa seems crazy underpriced. So, so keep in mind again, like I, I am not as in tune to the, uh, you know, day-to-day machinations of, uh, of ADP and everything. And, and so much of my observations is coming from playing DFS baseball, but like Correa seems crazy underpriced to me. Yeah, I think a lot of those Houston guys are going to get a little bit of a, a, a downgrade. Um, like literally after the cheating scandal, um, as soon as that came out, um, Alex Bregman, who was going about eight or ten overall, all of a sudden he started going like twenty in some drafts. So there's just like this immediate reaction to the market when something like this happens. 
Um, and a lot of people, I see it a lot on Twitter right now, people are like, I just, I don't want Correa, like let him be your problem. That's fine, you know? So the key there is to sort of balance out. You don't want to have a team full of Stantons, Judges, Dolls. Maybe you want to if you're playing, you know, 10 entries in, in an overall contest. But if you're like in a standalone league, you know, you can maybe take a shot on one of those guys, but you want to have a lot of stable guys, guys that you know are going to give you that, you know, the Freddie Freeman, Nolan Arenado, the boring consistency, you know? So uh, this is this is also another question I've always had about season long fantasy baseball. Why why uh, why don't we just like draft tons of guys that play in cores? Like why like why am I who I don't even know who the Colorado Rockies catcher is? But why is like whoever the Rockies catcher is not like a great punt catcher? Like isn't isn't that like playing half your home games in cores? Isn't that like a huge advantage? Yeah, it is. You know, there there's certain formats like there's the the best ball cut line format that I think is great for, for, for stacking teams and players. Like this year, you just, you know, you pile a bunch of Yankees on your team, a bunch of Dodgers, White Sox, Twins, you know, Red Sox even. Like there are a lot of interesting ways you can do that. And um, I love drafting Rockies. It's, it's, just, it's just a very wise and smart thing to do. The catcher position, for example, this year there is a, it's a little different just because they have somebody that can't even hit in that elevation. It's insane. Uh, Tony Walters is pretty much like their defense. Oh, he's so bad. I've, I've, <laughs> t- I've rostered that guy so many times. He's so bad. But he's really sneaky, bad. You know who's sneaky is, um, I don't know if you remember, Elias Diaz. He, he played for Pittsburgh the last couple yeah. of years. Yeah, and he, he was smashing lefties. We were using him in DFS two years ago. Last year, he stunk. He's got a chance to make the team as the backup catcher. Like He's somebody that can be like an end gamer if you need a second catcher like in a really deep league. That could work. There you go. Uh, okay, so uh, a couple other guys we have here. Alex Verdugo, you are you are in on him as a member of the Boston Red Sox. I am. I'm just a. I'm just a. Um, I'm, I'm in on him in general as a type of talent that he is. Um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people sort of um, remember like my my Christian Yelich call. Like that was the one that I stood behind a few years ago, where I basically said like, dude, this guy's going to win the MVP and going to win a batting title one day. Um, and that's kind of because I, I, I got to watch him play a little bit in high school. Like, I know everybody's got a good work ethic in the league. Maybe not everyone, not Machado. But, like, Yelich was just that guy. He was always in the zone. He just seemed like the it type of player. Mm-hmm. And I see a little bit of that in Verdugo, but I think he got thrown off in Los Angeles a little bit. Um, too many distractions. There's some off-the-field stuff with him. So I think getting him out of um, L.A. and into Boston is good. He had a great half a year last year until he got hurt. Um, and they're going to need guys to step up there. So I think the Red Sox will be pretty happy with him. He's not going to be like a 30 home run hitter off the bat, but he's somebody that could potentially win a batting title soon. He can, him and like Ben Attendee could like ball out and, and JD Martinez and Bogarts. Those guys can all hit 300 together and just, just continue to crush the ball. Maybe not hit a ton of homers, but just hit really well. So I like Verdugo. He's kind of underpriced right now, but because of the trade, I think he's starting to soar up. Yeah, I, I think that is. Uh, I think that seems uh, about accurate. So, a couple pitchers you really like: uh, Lance McCullers, Dustin May, Julio Urias, and uh, Garrett Richards. I, I gotta say, absolutely detest Los Angeles Dodgers pitchers, other than Clayton Kershaw. Uh, they just they always mess with their innings. Like it, it's the Dodgers pitchers are the worst. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like they have the starting rotation has by far and away like the best ratios, ERA and WHIP over the last few years. Because I mean, it, you know, obviously the home park, they you know they have Kershaw, Bueller, they just know how to manage it well. So these aren't guys I'm saying like go out and target. Like you have to have Dustin May, you have to have Urias. In fact, Urias is kind of max priced, like with an ADP of 150 considering he may not pitch more than 130 innings, but in the right formats, the fact that he is a, a top 20 overall talent to me um, means like if you use him in the right spots, if you know he, like he's in the rotation for the first beginning and you have a deep enough bench, you can use something like that. Dustin May may me not even needs to be drafted, but at a certain point, if you're seeing injuries start to pile up, like say Alex Wood gets hurt and uh, David Price, and you know he's going to find his way into the rotation – you just pick him up off waivers like a week beforehand. By that point, no one's going to be holding on to Dustin May, I don't think. So these are all like, these aren't like you must get, but these are all kind of guys that could be difference makers. You know, McCullers coming back from Tommy John, same with Garrett Richards. It may work out. It may not. If I had 10 teams, would I want like nine Garrett Richards? Stars? Probably not. But with like a 23rd round pick, 25th, it's, you know, very little risk at that. 
So this is not on our agenda, but actually while we are here, I, I just kind of thought of this as being a, a gap in our conversation. What is, a, what is your plan for your fab as we head into the year? Kind of what are you expecting your fab dollars to do for your roster? Man, I really never know. Um, I think I try to learn and get better at it every year. Uh, you know, one of the things I do is I, I write a weekly uh, free agent uh, a bidding article and call them every week, just kind of lay out um, – of the strategies and, and players that people should be targeting but um uh it, it depends you you never really know what your needs are until you come out of the draft and even then those type of needs start to change uh, i remember last year a lot of people were chasing you know there was that fabapalooza week um, if you remember there was like you know everyone came out in one week it was austin riley who was smashing homers in the minors and for the braves oscar mercado for the indians nikki lopez who basically turned into nothing um, and, uh, and a bunch of other guys that everybody was spending their money on. So I think it's, it's wise for people to kind of figure out what your needs are and not just, you know, because everybody's talking about the next best thing that you go in and you spend 400 of your dollars on it, you know, just to get someone else or get someone new. Jordan Alvarez was a different story. People that picked up him got well worth the price of admission. I mean, between the minors and the majors due to hit 50 homers, he was an absolute beast. So um, I don't have a specific plan. I never go into the season with a plan. I just want to be flexible. The one plan I do have is I want to make sure I, I leave about $100 for the last month of the season so I can outbid people for whatever I need. I, I mean, that that seems... So I guess that it's probably kind of contingent on what your team is. Like if you if you are needing difference makers, you probably have to be a little bit more aggressive early on. Whereas the you know kind of the median strategy is it would be you know more advantageous to do uh, to do that later in the year, right? Yeah, I think one thing people need to do is if you know you have a certifiable drop, you know this guy is you're dropping off your roster. Put in a ton of conditional bids behind that person. Like, spend the time to be like, okay, if I don't get player A, you know, for for fifteen bucks, let me put this guy in for eight, that guy in for seven, three, two, two, one, and make sure that I at least have my order of how I would want guys, and base that also on maybe it's just a short term pickup. Okay, which of these guys are playing this crappy, you know, Orioles staff? Which of these guys are going to Coors? You know, who's you know, who's a lefty crusher, um, you know, facing a bunch of righties, you know, things like that. And you fact that, factor that into your decision as you're, you're setting your, uh, your, your conditional bids. Yeah. So I think, I think that is, uh, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty good advice. All right. Who is the worst pick at ADP right now? That's tough. Um, I think uh, one of the, the flaws in my analysis is it, it, it's, I'm, I'm kind of an optimist by heart. And so it's really hard for me. Like, man, I really hate this player or I, or I hate this you know, pick or whatever. Um, um, some people at least from my tweets might think it's JT Realmuto. I've got nothing against the guy. I think he's awesome. I think he's the best hitting catcher in the league. Um, I don't I'm not necessarily going to spend a fourth round pick on him, but that's just me because I, I basically wait on catchers for the most part. One guy that I think is not worth it is uh, Glaber Torres. And, uh, you know, obviously he, I feel like guys like on the Yankees, Red Sox, like they get a certain like ADP bump or they get some, they, they never get a discount, you know, especially if you're in a, in a league with a bunch of New Yorkers, but like he's 29th overall. And I'm just looking at the guys around there and I love Glaber Torres. I think he's super talented, um, but I don't know. He's not a big average guy. Um, he hit 38 homers last year. I don't know if he's going to do that again. Um, Keston Hira is going two rounds after him. Bo Bichette's going three or four rounds after him. I like those guys just as much, if not more. So I think just on the early side, you're already seeing that drop. He's, you know, 29. Now he's going like 35, 36. So you're already sort of seeing that. But at first I was like, why is this guy 29 overall? It seems, it seems, uh, unwise. And I mean, what it is, is I think in these early ADPs, I think in these early ADPs, what we see is a ton of, well, whatever happened last year is going to happen next year. And as we get closer to the season and uh, more people are, you know, doing their own projections, reading projections, getting really into fantasy baseball research, I think that guys who had super hot 2019s are going to fall back to more appropriate ADPs. Yeah, that's the case a lot of times is, you know, I mean, you know, people – a lot of times players are getting a bump because of what they did, you know, sort of recency bias, like what they did in the playoffs and what they remember, like, you know, who the stars were from, you know, from the world series. Um, and people clearly discount anyone that um, is, you know, sort of having a down year. 
Um, one of the things like in these, like these draft and holes, these deep 50 rounders, one of the things, the great values I've been seeing is guys that were, are just free agents still. So like, um, Puig seems crazy, right? It's not like he's not going to sign. Yeah. And so people are kind of, you know, they're, they're tentative there. They're like, okay, well, what if he signs in San Francisco? That's going to suck. But like Edwin Encarnacion was going after round 200, uh, or I'm sorry, after pick 200 uh, up until the point he got signed, like in December drafts. And I mean, it doesn't make sense. He's not going to all of a sudden retire. I mean, this guy's the second most home runs over the last eight years, pretty much. And yeah, he's getting older. Yeah. He's going to hurt your batting average, but like, you know, just because he's a free agent, he's a deal. Like Jason Kipnis just signed with the Cubs. I have him on a bunch of my draft and holds in like round 43. I understand Jason Kipnis is sort of past his prime. He's not that great, but like now, you know, people are going to probably take him in like the 28th round because he has got a job at least as a platoon man uh, for the Cubs against righties. So there's a lot of value that in those drafts and holds, like guys that are free agents that you just assume, okay, this guy isn't going to retire. As long as he doesn't sign in Japan, he's probably worth more than what he's going right now. Right. So yeah, it's uh, pretty sharp. Okay. Best picks after ADP 300. So like in, in my mind, this is kind of how you can get, um, you know, like a, a, a legitimate advantage in uh, a, a legitimate advantage in terms of uh, like an overall competition. Like if you hit on one of these later round picks, that is going to be a big edge for you. So who are some of your guys after ADP 300, you know, kind of give or take that you really like? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I obviously don't, don't, don't want to give out the, the, the sort of the whole card. You don't have to give out the secret yeah, sauce, yeah. right? Cause I, w- I want people to, to, to you know, to, to sign up and, and, and read my stuff there this year. But uh, yeah, throw a couple, a couple of gems out there. At least guys I think might be gems. Um, Jose Peraza is one. Uh, he's a, a pretty much a typical last year's bum. Just, you know, really didn't play all that much last year with Cincinnati. Um, and now he's with Boston. He's got multi-eligibility uh, position wise, which is really nice to have that flexibility. Uh, he's a guy that can steal bases. He's got 30 stolen base upside. He's really not a bad pick. And, and I see him starting to rise in the ADP. Um, but, you know, three straight years of 20 stolen bases, uh, 20 plus stolen bases up until last year. I think he's a good deal. And Travis Shaw, um, as long as you know that he's going to probably crush you in the batting average category, uh, he's worth the risk as far as sort of that late round power. Um, previous to last year's season where he had only 230 um, at bats in the, in the majors and, you know, just had all kinds of issues last year. The two seasons prior, dude crushed 30 plus bombs. And, um, you know, I understand he's, you know, people got to remember, he's not even that old. It's not like he's 35 or anything. Travis Shaw's 29. Um, I don't necessarily think he's lost his power altogether. And he's in Toronto, man. I mean, this team is absolutely loaded these days with Bichette, as we mentioned before, Vladdy Guerrero, I think has a nice big season. So kind of, you know, right there in, in that lineup, um, I think he's got potential to really um, earn his keep. Uh, yeah, I really like that one. Another one you have here that I that I really like is uh, Jose Martinez. I mean, that guy, that guy, like playing in the AL is so good for him. He Like he's going to be awesome. Yeah, this is perfect for him. This is like, you know, Jose Martinez uh, truthers like myself have been waiting for a situation like this. Um, the problem is he's on Tampa and these guys – it's sort of like the Dodgers pitching staff. You want to be careful kind of taking too many of these hitters unless you sort of have a feel for like, not everyone's in Austin Meadows. Austin Meadows is going to play pretty much every day. He hits both lefties and righties, but like, you know, uh, you know, G-Man Choi is only going to be in the lineup when, when there's a righty on the mound. Um, they have, uh, you know, Hunter Renfro will all be in the li- only in the lineup when there's a lefty in the mound. So there's a lot of that mixing and matching. Jose Martinez can hit both. He specifically has been good against lefties over the southpaws over the course of his career. But like now they've added Manny Margot into the team. Are they going to get rid of Kevin Kiermaier? I don't know. What I do know for the at-bats to get Jose Martinez in, um, and if you figure out some sort of pattern, like he's only playing against lefties and you notice that there are eventually lefties coming up in the schedule, then you can sort of utilize it. But he's just one of those late round batting average guys that I think can, can help. And maybe we hope that he gets more at-bats than, than he actually does. Yeah, I think that that is, uh, I think that's probably right. All right, man. That was, uh, I think that was a a pretty thorough discussion of uh, the NFBC, of fantasy baseball, of of your philosophy on the, uh, on the game. Is there, is there anything else that we, uh, that we need to get out to the people right now? Uh, No, I mean, not necessarily. Like now is just, um, 
one thing I will say is just people just, you know, basically be careful of overreacting to every single little piece of news that you hear or read um, in, in spring training. Like, oh, this guy lost, four, you know, 30 pounds. Oh, he's in the best shape of his life. I mean, we, you know, people, people know to, to sort of take all that with a grain of salt. Um, you know, somebody, a, a mid-range pitcher who we already liked has added a new dominant pitch and he's showing as, 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 as being pretty good in spring training. That's a different story. That's something else to evaluate. So, but that's it, man. Just, uh, just you know, obviously enjoy, um, always enjoy talking to you. I appreciate you having me on the show and hope people follow me and um, sign up for Fantasy Guru this year. We, uh, you know, we might, we might have to have you, uh, we might have to have you come back on after uh after we do our draft and and i want you i want you to just roast us if uh if need be if if we just have this horrible terrible draft i think that i think that we are going to need to get roasted i think that's uh i think that seems about fair here's the problem you with the roasting you guys have sammy reed and yeah he's pretty good he's pretty sharp yeah he's not gonna it depends like if you guys like you know you know um, um get him a massive hangover or drug him the night before and you guys like just decide you want to just take over the draft and just like wreak havoc. That's a different story, but Sammy will keep things pretty good. So I think, I think that, I mean, Nate obviously is pretty good too. Uh, I think my issue is all the guys I want to draft. I think they're all cheap outfielders. So like, I don't know, I don't know how much of like a a good positive impact I'm going to have in the early rounds. Also, I'm a, I'm just mega addicted to speed. Like I just, I, that is that I love, I love fat. Like I love, I think what Paul Spore calls them is rabbits. Those are yeah. like my favorite guys. I just, I love dudes who swipe bags. That's, that's like my, my a one. I, I love that so much. Malik Smith. Mal- oh dude, I'm all in Malik, Malik Smith. Uh, I mean, what, what is, what is a uh, D Gordon's ADP right now? Is he just like free? Oh, dude, he's he's way, way, way off the charts. His ADP right now is like 305. That's about the 20th round. So we're we're definitely going to take him. Um, I assume I assume Billy Hamilton is just undrafted. Is like has he has he been cut by the Royals or is he's, he yeah, like even on? Yeah, he, he's a free agent. He 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 might be done. Um, you know what? Just you that's know, a that's a huge bummer to think of Billy Hamilton not being in baseball really bums me out. Let me give you this. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get, but Timmy LoCastro is apparently like the fastest guy in the league now. Um, so he's someone. Okay, the Diamondbacks. Dude, I'm in. There we go. That's that's exactly that's exactly what uh, that's exactly what I needed here. All right, Vlad. Uh, everyone, give Vlad a follow on Twitter at RotoGut. Go ahead and check out his work on uh, Guru, and uh, we will be back with uh, with more conversations soon. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.